Unto thee, O Lord, do I live? Five o'clock, time to get started. And uh, we're continuing our study tonight, uh, being the image of God. And before we begin, we'll, we'll take prayer requests at this time. Lionel Thompson. Andy Bailey. 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 Andy
Ricky Davis. Ricky Davis. Family of Shirley Cole. most gracious and loving Father, we so thankful for this beautiful day that's been ours to enjoy. We're so thankful for all the many blessings of life and all the spiritual blessings through your Son, Lord Jesus. Father, we're so thankful for bringing us back this hour. Father, we just pray that we'll be attentive to the lesson tonight. We're so thankful for the lesson this morning. And Father, we want to lift up to you all those who've been mentioned. I uh, want to pray for Wynell Thompson, Andy Bailey, Sandy Bonham, Ricky Davis, Brett Womble, Larry Lambert, the family of Shirley Cole. And Father, we pray for all those who responded this morning. We're just so thankful for their encouragement to us and their example, Father, responding this morning and asking for prayer. Father, be with us through this lesson. We just pray your blessings be upon it. And we pray that you'll be with us through this week. Pray, Father, that we'll be found doing your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, um, I had the lesson um, on the uh, meals with the master. And uh, just to recap a little bit about that, about being in the image of God, you know, there were three characters in this lesson. Jesus, Simon the Pharisee, and the sinful woman. And just want to take some lessons uh, from that, uh, of what we learned. And in that lesson, there was a parable about the two debtors. One lesson that I took from that was we must approach Jesus with humility. And that's what this sinful woman did. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. She wanted to be refreshed. She wanted a new beginning. And she sought Jesus to do that. How humiliating it must have been for her to enter this banquet uninvited, but yet she had to do that. She was on a mission herself, and that was to be at the feet of Jesus, for crying so many tears that she washed his feet and dried them with her hair and then actually put ointment or perfume on his feet. And Simon, we, we had to be careful in doing things to be seen of men. He did this for one reason. He wanted to kind of trap Jesus. He said like the Pharisees were always in a battle with Jesus about wanting to trap him. And we have to be careful doing that. And the danger of judging others. Simon knew who this sinful woman was, and she actually 
was there. Jesus should have known, he thought to himself, who she was, yet she touched him. And the parable of the two debtors were much forgiven and much is appreciated. The power of forgiveness. Also, what a difference an encounter with Jesus makes. And last is faith pleases Jesus. And tonight, another study on being the image of God. A few weeks ago when Jonathan texted me about this, and I do what I normally do when I looked at the text, I was kind of reading it real hurriedly, and it said, move on, Matthew 10, 14. I started hyperventilating at that time, trying to do a lesson on one verse, but then I scrolled down a little bit more, and it said, you can't please everyone. I thought Jonathan was encouraging me, but there was another less text to that, which is Matthew 13, 54 through 58. And that's where our lesson comes from tonight, the first one being in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. I want to lay a little background before we get into that verse, actually. And that background is about the apostles. I don't know if you've done a study on chapter 10 recently, but a lot of great lessons from Matthew chapter 10 about the apostles. And we're going to briefly just discuss that. And tonight I want to start with a question. Upon what is your faith in Jesus Christ based? Ponder that for a minute. What is your faith in Jesus Christ based? His miracles? I love the miracles. You know, everybody's got a favorite one, and you know about bringing Lazarus back to life. That's one of my favorite. What about his teachings? Oh, there's so many teachings of Jesus and what we can apply to our lives even today. His resurrection from the dead. Truly amazing. In reality, our faith is based upon the words of the apostles. The apostles of Jesus Christ. And I think about these apostles and how they were chosen. They were chosen by Jesus. They were ordinary men. Really like us today. But once they joined Jesus... It all changed. Again, many great lessons there. Apart from the Gospels and letters, we know virtually nothing about the apostles. We're going to go through some of their names again. Just want to lay this foundation of faith from the apostles. They are the ones who tell us about life, miracles, about his life, miracles, and resurrection. Jesus acknowledged that our faith in him would depend upon their word, as indicated in his prayer for them in John 17, verse 20. The Lord expected us to believe in him through his word. Who are these men upon which our faith is based? Who are they? What does the Bible and history tell them about it, about them? Are they credible witnesses that we should believe? 
What is their role in the church of our Lord? In Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4, we find the names of the 12 apostles. And we'll look at them for just a minute. We'll go on to our lesson of uh, Matthew 10, verse 14. We're going to list their names, and these names, commentators list this as the limited commission. Mark and Luke list their names when appointed as apostles. The identity of the apostles, the first four, Simon, who is called Peter. What, we didn't, what do we know about Peter? He was introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew, given the name Cephas, which is Peter by Jesus. Peter was a fisherman called to follow Jesus along with Andrew. What do we know about Peter when Jesus walked on the sea? When Jesus foretold his death and resurrection? When Jesus foretold of some who would stumble? When Jesus was arrested in the garden? Peter was known for his failures. An example, when he was doubting when walking to Jesus on the sea in Matthew 14, 30, and 31. Denying the Lord three times, lending himself and others into hypocrisy, but eventually living up to the meaning of his given name, a rock. Peter was also restored by Jesus after his resurrection, directing the selection to replace Judas Iscariot, preaching the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, and instrumental in the church at Jerusalem. Apostle number two, Andrew, his brother of Simon, a disciple of John the Baptist. He led his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. He was also a fisherman. Number three, James, the son of Zebedee. He was a brother of John. He was also a fisherman. Perhaps because of the fiery temperament, as evidenced in Luke 9, 52 through 54, he and his brother were called sons of thunder by Jesus. While seeking glory, they were promised suffering. Indeed, James was the first of the apostles to be killed. And number four was John, the brother of James, called along with his brother James. Also, along with brother and father, they were partners with Peter. Like his brother, he appeared quick to judge others, but he became the beloved disciple whom Jesus loved, who sat next to Jesus during the Last Supper, who was given charge to care for Jesus' mother, who was among the first to see the empty tomb, and who recognized Jesus following the resurrection. Of those four, Peter, James, and John became the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. They were present when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, saw the transfiguration, and asked to support Christ during his agony in Gethsemane. The remaining eight apostles, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, 
Matthew, James, Lebedus, oh, excuse me, it's also known as Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, also called Zelot, and Matthias, who replaced Judas, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. What an amazing and diverse collection of men upon which to trust the continuation of his mission. Men with personal failings from opposite ends of the political spectrum. Yet Jesus took this band of men, worked with them for three years, and through them turned the world upside down. Now let us consider what is revealed in Scripture. The ministry of the apostles. As witnesses for the resurrection, Jesus shown himself alive through various proofs. Jesus commissioned them to testify concerning him. Peter explained that the apostles were to be witnesses for the resurrection. Thus, they testified again and again. And continued the ministry of the apostles as teachers for the disciples. Jesus did not reveal all during his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit would reveal all the truth working through the apostles. Thus, the apostles' doctrine became authority for the church as commissioned by Jesus. This doctrine they preserved in their writings. Through his apostles, Jesus continued to instruct his church as we continue steadfastly in their teaching. As for the foundation of the church, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles in Christ as the corner, with Christ as the cornerstone. Their eyewitness testimony is the basis of our faith. Their teaching is basis of our doctrine and practice. Their names are even depicted as written on the foundation for the, for the new Jerusalem, which is the Lamb's Bride, the church. And the de dedication of the apostles in carrying out the Great Commission. At first it was the limited commission, and they also were instructed to carrying out the Great Commission. They were commanded to make disciples of all nations. All the apostles, they traveled to different places. And they were, when they first started, they were in pairs. We talk about the synergy of being in the pairs. And they were sent out to be in, in, in pairs and to teach. And it brings us to our text this evening, which is uh, Matthew 10, verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. What does that mean? Nothing else to do with them, absolutely. Right, pearls before swine. And the point of that is to move on. When they went to a place and they were not receptive and they did not want to hear their words, and this was a heavy symbolism of the Jews about dusting off their feet, their sandals. They wanted to leave all that there and not go into the next place, kind of corrupted, if you will. 
They wanted to leave all that behind when people would not hear their words. And God warned the apostles of that. What comes to mind when you think about mission? I think what I'm leading up to is I believe God's heart was a missionary heart. You know, when you talk about mission, like all these apostles went on, you think about that, and the first thing you may think about is, you know, going off to a foreign land. A few weeks ago, we had a mission report from Wayne Barrier. And I encourage you, if you didn't get to hear all of that, to go back and visit that. Wayne's uh, update on everything. And one thing I remember from, from, from his lesson that night was talking about his friend, Tien Lin. He said he was an amazing man that started maybe a thousand congregations just from spreading the word. But I think what kind of caught my attention more when Wayne was saying that was that Tien Lin took his place. I think he said it was on his first mission when they went to his hometown that Tin Lin took his place when he was arrested. Wayne was arrested. He was interrogated for a day, but Tin Lin took his place. That's pretty powerful to me that someone would do that. Someone that trust in him and that would take his place. And he, he talked about how he saw his friend be chained around his wrist and around his ankles and taken away. And he was also talking about that he, he almost made it to his 60th birthday, but he, you know how much he loved him and, 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 and what all he had done to spread the gospel there. And it's, it's just kind of, it's really amazing. Uh, even when I think about Wayne, I think uh, Ken had asked him about how long he was supported here, and it was 30 years. Uh, that's pretty amazing, too, that how Wayne uh, does his missionary work along with his family. But that's, when I, that's what I thought about when uh, uh, I was studying the lesson and thinking about the apostles' mission, and it was about uh, Wayne Barrier and his, his mission. And there's so many points in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 10 about, again, what he asked the apostles to do. He, he told them, here's what you preach in verse 7. Here's what you do. Here's who you stay with. Here's how you treat them that you stay with. Here's what you are to be like. Here's what you are to watch out for. Here's how the opposition will treat you. Here's how to answer them. And here's how bad it will get. Here's how to respond when it gets bad. Here's why they treat you like this. And here's what not to be afraid of. And here's who to be really afraid of. And here's why you have nothing to fear. And here's what I'll do for you. God's promises. Here's what I came for. Here's how to be worthy of me or not of me. And also, here's how to find life by losing it.
In it, Jesus shares us tremendous insights into the first century efforts of spreading the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 10, has been dubbed the limited commission by commentators. God inspired this to, to be recorded, not just so we could know that the apostles went on, out on a mission trip before Jesus died and rose again, but to teach us things about God's heart for us today. The Bible tells us from cover to cover the greatest crisis in a human existence is separation from God. The greatest blessing for us is returning to God and walking with God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. You know, since Ken has uh, stepped foot in Prentice County when he started preaching, you know, I, I, his roots are here in the church, and it seemed like every lesson to me is about the mission, the mission of the church, and, and that it takes each and every one of us. And I, I think about the apostles, and I, I think about some of his lessons about how we are commanded to preach. And there was a story told about a, a, a baseball team where they had a big game and the pitcher and the catcher and maybe one or two others showed up and uh, they announced, we're going to play the game. Visitors were in the stadium and the pitcher said, oh, man, he was pretty heavy thinking because not only did he have to pitch, he had to play first base, second base, and third base and center field. So the uh, story goes that uh, they lost the game. And those players that were absent, they had a meeting. And the first thing they wanted to do was get a new pitcher. They missed it, didn't they? They missed it. If they would have been there doing their part, and it's just like with the church today, if we do our part, we can come out winners. But if it's just a few, you just kind of burn out and you're just not going to win the game. The apostles, they preached the kingdom of heaven was near. Reminds me of Ken's lesson today. The time is now. And it's here for our job to preach that fact that the time is now, that we all can be ministers, if you will. And, and you know, just to step further on that, you know, we have some great ministers here. I mean, you know, Ken and uh, Stephen, Jim, Jonathan, Aaron, Guy, Bo, Todd. There's so many. So thankful to be blessed with so many teachers and educators of God's Word.
Do you know another question? Do you know what would happen if all of us in this room took the mission of preaching seriously? First of all, people would be one to Christ if we all took it very seriously. Second, we would face opposition. That happened with the apostles. It happens today. Ken said it best today. I think you know about it. He's asking JT about uh, studying with people, you know. And a lot of times, you know, you start out and then yet they, we'll, we'll get back with you. And it, a lot of times it never happens. Kind of remind me of that in this lesson here. And I, I also know what Ken said too about the uh, uh, lesson this morning, you know, about you could start anywhere in the Bible, but as long as you end in Christ, it, it's all good. So that's very true as well. Now we'll go to the second part of our lesson text. Uh, this is in Matthew 13, verses 54 through 58. Beginning in verse 54. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So kind of set the stage a little bit. Jesus went back to Nazareth, his home town, and they basically rejected him. Why is that? Why did they reject him there? They went through his family tree. You know, I think about a carpenter's son. When I think about, I'm, I'm, and I'm a terrible carpenter, but then, you know, I just think of a carpenter's wood and building houses, but then a carpenter could be skilled in, with stone and metal. And I, I didn't really catch that part about him being a, uh, being a carpenter, that he could do all these things with, with you, know, you know, the resources of stone or metal. But the basis of this story, again, is you can't please everyone. And, you know, I just think, how do how you think Jesus felt then going back to his hometown? I mean, after all that he'd done, I mean, he'd already healed a leper. No doubt that these, his hometown knew this, and he, many other things. I mean, he raised a girl from the dead. He made the blind to see. He made the mute to speak. All these things took place before he went back to Nazareth. 
It was unbelief when he went back there that they went through his, all his family members, but yet they, they rejected his, his teaching about what he'd done. And that's just kind of hard for me to understand how they would feel that way to him. And you wonder why they didn't have the faith necessary to trust in Jesus and for him to work in their midst. They knew all his works, but yet they rejected. I'll read you a story. Again, it's about can't please everyone. It's an old fable that's been passed down for generations. It tells us about an elderly man who was traveling with a young boy and a donkey. They walked through the first village. The man was leading the donkey, and the boy was walking behind. The townspeople said to the old man, What a fool for not riding the donkey. So to please them, he climbed upon the back of the animal. When they came to the next village, the people said the old man was cruel to let the child walk while he enjoyed the ride. So to please them, he got off and set the boy on the animal's back and continued to the next village. In the next village, people accused the child of being lazy for making the old man walk and the suggestion was made that they both ride. So the man climbed on, and they set out again. In the fourth village, the townspeople just looked at the cruelty to the, to the donkey because he was made to carry two people. The frustrated man was last seen carrying the donkey down the road on his back. Just the message of that story is, are you carrying any donkeys? You know, do we try to please everybody? Who, who can you please? We can't please everybody, but we can please God. We can please God by studying His Word and by doing His will. Well, this is all I have for tonight. Uh, I'll take some questions or comments. I know we, uh, the Lord's Supper is left prepared, and I know you had to pick up uh, young children, but... Uh, any James and Jude, what about it, Luther? Might not have brothers? Yes. Yeah. See, they got to know them. I didn't, didn't believe them there. Later on, they become believers. They became believers later. They sure did. Okay, I have one announcement um, for the new quarter, which begins in November. It's be November, December, and January. Uh, Sunday in the auditorium, uh, the Joshua teachers will be Jim Estes and Brandon Elliott. In the annex, uh, systematic theology teachers will be uh, Aaron Foster and Drew Bruce. On Wednesday night in the auditorium, modern 
morale issues teacher will be Jonathan Farr. In the annex, the Gospel of John, the teacher there will be Ken Forrest. Again, the Lord's Supper has been left prepared in the little chapel. And uh, if you will, bow with me and we'll be dismissed for tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we once again just come before you with humble hearts, thanking you, Father, for all the blessings that you continue to bestow upon us. Father, we pray that as we go through this week that uh, you would just give us strength and encouragement and helping others. And we pray, Father, that we'll just continue to be doing thy will each and every day. We have so many that we mentioned here tonight on the, on the sick list and there's so many others, Father, that we want to pray for at this time that, that just are going through treatments. Those, Father, who have lost loved ones, we pray that your comfort be upon them and we always pray, Father, that you will use us in helping them in any way we can. We love you, Father, and pray that you'll forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.